0: Greetings, lovely listeners of the Cider Shed podcast. Before this special episode begins, we would like to wish all of you a warm, fuzzy, mauled, cidery Christmas and a grundy New Year. The latter is optional. Thanks for all of your support in 2023. You are much appreciated. After a short word from a sponsor, this Christmas episode will begin.
1: For Memorial Day, get fifteen percent off your borough purchase at burrow.com/acast, and up to twenty-five percent off outdoor. That's up to twenty-five percent off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast.
2: Our grog.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Starter Shed Podcast. I'm Matthew Weir, joined by Kerry Warbis and a special guest. Reveal yourself.
3: Hey, hey, it's me, Peter Fickling.
1: Hey!
3: As I said last time, I am very curious about the people who have no idea who I am. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, turn off now, guys. Enjoy Christmas. (laughs) Have a fantastic
1: time. (laughs) Have a good one, Peter. Love to the family.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Oh that's oh uh, that's uh, the thing from Portsmouth right Colin Go from, from Portsmouth. Portsmouth
1: yeah yeah love to the yeah, family colin
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely to have you back peter
3: we were li- i was literally just saying to you um, a few seconds ago how i do miss the pod i miss the people i miss you guys and yeah it's 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 um, familiar but strange to be back
4: but you have stopped listening to the archers for a while haven't you
3: I have and I told you what when I will start listening again. I'm going to start listening again when uh you guys tip me off that Fallon and Emma get their vicious, unrestrained and uh much needed revenge on the f***ers. Tom, <laughs> who else? Tom, Natasha and yeah, other parents. How are Pat uh, uh Pat and Tony doing? Are they just kind of um are they just standing by and watching evil happen or are they actually getting stuck in and mm. being monsters themselves? I think
1: Tony's coming. Well, we haven't heard much from Pat, have we no. recently? but oh, Maybe I should start listening again. To <laughs> Tony's come out of it quite well recently because Tom and Natasha have just been using the tea room as somewhere to just walk in and walk out with like baskets full of food. Whereas Tony has noticed they're not paying for anything. Well, Emma's running up a massive bill, which she's going to give them at the end of the month. So we think that might yeah. be when tensions start. Bubble over, mm. but Tony's pretty good. Like a couple of weeks ago, they he paid for soup and a sandwich, and he said, "I'll get this." And Tom did this really annoying thing where he went, "You don't have to, Dad." Like making a big show in front of Emma that they run the place now. And he went, "No, it's cleaner that way." And <laughs> just put the money down on the table <laughs> to pay.
3: There's no way the BBC would do this, but what would be great is if Matthew could do a kind of um spiteful, hateful digest of the Archers, like edit out all of the st- all of the shite and just leave in. Jacob, Emma, Russ, if he ever comes back. Just all the good characters. Mm. Cause that because um, you know, spoiler alert, Matthew and Kerry sent me uh an omnibus to listen to. Uh thanks for that, Kerry. <laughs> um and uh and yeah, and I very quickly realized, remembered my kind of Archer's experience that yes, there's about four characters I hang in for, Jim as well, of course. Mm. And then, yeah, just the rest of them can f*** off forever. I mean, awful, awful people. (laughs) Fictional
1: people. Bumper, list of characters in this one as well, wasn't there? This is Christmas 2016 that we listened to. Mm. There were a couple of Christmas omnibuses that were popping around, and we went for this one. Kerry listened to this one. She thought it was best. Yeah, why was that, (laughs) Kerry?
4: Why did I choose it? Well, I only listened to two. I didn't listen to every Christmas omnibus, I have to yes (laughs) yes
3: right.
4: <laughs> i quite liked that this one had it was long ago enough for people to have slightly forgotten it had jill being an absolute in it and it had um mention of rob and helen and little henry which kind of t- chimes with what's happened recently
3: yeah I, and i had you know something i'd completely forgotten about and it's about four-fifths of the way through the omnibus was Rob sucking up to Justin. It was one of the mm-hmm. most oleaginous. And I'd forgotten about that side of mm. Rob. So that was one of the few good things that came out of it was hearing hearing kind of like OG original yeah. Rob.
4: I quite enjoyed him shitting on Adam though. About Charlie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. Well, didn't you say to Adam, I'm the only person you can be honest with this entire room? And then yeah. Ian just showed up and went, Oh, that lager's gone a bit warm. Why don't you drink it, Rob? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we're pre-flood at this point, aren't we? Isn't that when the shit really hits the fan with Justin and Rob? Oh, no, we're not pre-flood because Rob was a hero. It's yeah. when Stefan comes back and all of the stuff comes out about him blocking the... uh the culvert. That's when Justin mm-hmm. and him have it out and he, like... Tell, tells him he'll never work again in in the industry
3: did, did you hear the really pathetic untidy haste with which i went said the word culvert i was so pleased calvert. and no remember the word calvert calvert, calvert. i remember it
1: <laughs> the buzzword yeah well i tell you what peter if you're in the mood let's see how rusty you are with the archers i've prepared a little quiz for you shula recently returned to ambridge despite the fact that the actor was never meant to come back. But for what reason did she return? Was it because Alan is stepping down as vicar? Elizabeth was worried about Fred's mental health after Lily's moving out? Lillian wants to build a massive horse arena with all of the stable's money? Or Sunderland banished her?
3: Now, (laughs) it could possibly be two. So we don't know that Sunderland hasn't banished her. Um, so let's just say that has happened. But then the one that made it on air, I think, is... Because I did listen to the pod last... To, your, to the side shed last week. So I think it's the horse arena
1: one. It is the most unlikely one of all of them, yeah. The fact that <laughs> Lillian thought, despite the fact that you need planning permission for everything in this village, she could build a horse a and no one would care about it. All right, well, we talked about Tom and Natasha taking over the tea room. What was the terrible name that was mooted for the tea room's new moniker? Was it TNTs? Terum? Terror? Or trauma?
3: I remember one of you coughing up a lung, not sorry, just spitting a whole load of bile towards terum. <laughs>
1: Uh, very good. Is
3: this, this, because this, this isn't just testing whether I listen to the archers. It's actually list, testing whether I listen to. I the thought. I chain,
1: thought TNT. really, a good, Was a good red herring there. You know. All right, Johnny. Johnny is incarcerated in Peru due to entering without proper documentation. Coming back on a yacht via Brazil, staying in Argentina because he likes the new president's hair, or back in time for Christmas
3: now Matthew made a joke about Tom and I can't remember what it was but it kind of it answers the question and I think I want to say he's stuck somewhere so I think it's the first one the visa one
1: you think he's incarcerated in Peru
3: oh sorry not incarcerated but I think he's what was what was was there an option when he's just where he's just kind of stuck in South America He's not
1: back for Christmas. He's actually come... He's got passage on a yacht. He's coming back via Brazil. So he hasn't got stuck anywhere. But, I mean, oh, in okay. my head, he's in La Paz or somewhere in Peru. just it like, was Matthew has
4: mentioned a sort of dungeon in Peru. So yeah. you yeah. do listen to us. That's... Yeah.
1: yeah. Back to Tom and Natasha the tea room. Which of these was not a suggestion by Tom for a new bake for Fallon to produce in the tea room? Kale croissant, chocolate and cauliflower eclair... Sausage and thyme-infused custard slice, or Sprout Strudel?
3: Sorry, which of them is not? Yeah. Oh my god, I mean...
1: You've got kale croissant, chocolate and cauliflower eclair, sausage and thyme-infused custard slice, and a Sprout Strudel.
2: Well,
3: I'm going to say it has to be the custard
1: is the custard. Is that the most ridiculous one? <laughs> because he did yeah, suggest it he suggested a kale croissant, which went completely to mush. He made Emma eat the chocolate and cauliflower of Claire, and she basically said, well, I think I'm going to be sick. And uh, he then alleged yeah. that Emma didn't have an educated enough palate to understand it. And... So, I mean,
3: Matthew is the professional chef, so obviously I'm on slightly, you know, <laughs> I'm being a bit careful. I don't want to kind of overstep the mark, but even a kind of enthusiastic amateur like me knows that a croissant will not... You can't sort of... What is it? The idea it would be like a, like a chocolate croissant, but with the, the kale folded into it like that. Is that what we're imagining?
1: Yeah, apparently... I don't think chocolate was involved, was it? No, not with the kale croissant. It was just kale. But apparently, it, it, yeah, because of the water content, it just completely went into some amorphous of blob. guess block.
3: you could... I guess you could kind of cook it till it was, the moisture was kind of oh, out, and then. That's then what, it, that's it, what Tom
1: it, suggested.
3: But isn't it then? Neither, like, isn't it Tom. no? Like, but it's not. I do like a sausage. It's but then <laughs> it's not. But then it's not a croissant. It's now a pasta. Yeah. is well, where I'm getting. Yeah, to. but
4: you're thinking of a croissant with stuffed inside kale.
3: Uh, you think this is folded into yes. the dust? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's what he did, yeah. No, that's not possible. That's not about the lamination. It wouldn't work. It's because the all about the lamination. Yeah, and then I feel like I'm getting Matthew points now. Fallon
1: went, Fallon went off and then made kale and cauliflower empanadas, and they were amazing, and made Tom look like a twat. But as the music was about to play, he went, what about a sprite strudel? And then, <laughs> then the music played. I was waiting for him to go, nah, just fucking kidding. But it didn't. He was deadly serious. All right, lastly, Alice met her new bloke Harry... At an AA meeting, at a show jumping event in Hampshire, when he came to the stables to complain that they'd impaled his niece's horse on a fence, or on a rare all-night session.
3: Um, uh, I think it's the fence. <laughs> what I what I want to say is, of the last ep- couple of episodes I've listened to, if you drew a pie chart of the topics, it's about sixty percent Kerry hating Harry. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah, that's that's just, fair. Just uh, in, in a very entertaining way, just going on and on and on about how much you despise that character.
4: Yes, I do, I do. He's a wrong un.
3: See, I've never heard him. There's a character I've never heard.
1: Yeah,
4: he's only just... Which he, is weird, isn't he's it? He's been there about three weeks and already Alice and him are completely loved up.
1: I had shades of Rob when I first heard his voice. Yes. Mm.
4: And now he's trying to... Um, He's visiting Chris at the smithy, or whatever it is.
1: Oh, is he? I didn't know that. I haven't got that far this week.
4: Yeah, and why would he want to be doing that?
1: Get some new iron knees. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To get his hips sorted out.
3: Yeah. Well, his hips are sorry. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I mean, probably in (laughs) all of that quiz, the most ridiculous option was the correct answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we just we've we've unlocked the archer's code.
3: Well, I will say, I do want to listen again now. This has, I do feel like maybe my hiatus is. There's been some good
1: episodes recently. I really thought so. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, going back to this one, one of the things that stood out for me from Christmas 2016, you had this ongoing debate about buying Mm. the land for the Aldridge family. Deb Mm. is back. She just wants to chill out. They want to sit around the table. Last week, we had both Brian and Kate lamenting, although it was. Kate was lamenting about Peggy going into the laurels, but she said it was because of Jenny dying. And she, they were both saying how much they missed her at this time of year. We could wind back the clock <laughs> seven years and they're both treating her like shit at Christmas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Brian was basically telling her to, you know, just stay in the kitchen and stop trying to prevent him talking business at the dinner table. And Kate had a go at her because she was nice to Debbie when she showed up for the first time in years.
4: Yeah, it was lovely hearing Jennifer in her full Jennifer, I mean, at Christmas time, a hostess who's obsessed with family, just completely comes into her own, doesn't she? Either doing a fantastic spread or getting super stressed out because it's not going exactly how she wants it to.
1: Or making human goose costumes for Kate, because Kate can't be arsed.
4: Yeah, I did feel for Jennifer, because they kept wanging on about farm stuff. Even though it's the archers, we don't want farm stuff around the Christmas dinner table, do we?
1: Can you two remember this storyline or either side of it? Because didn't Brian just try to sell it to them that this was better for their inheritance? if he bought up this land and there'd be more obviously because brian's kid situation got a bit more complicated in the last 14 years of Mm. this this episode going out
4: the moment land and stuff is mentioned i don't pay attention
1: that was the the idea wasn't it that it would be some it would be like something to leave the children
4: really like the land stuff it's all like oh should we buy this many acres that many acres well but what use it for this use it for that i don't I'm I'm more interested in the people and how they're getting along with each other. But if you can't remember where it went, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to remember. And well, maybe Peter does. I don't know.
3: It's a bit like when Stephen Bartlett or any of these other rich blokes sort of prop up on TikTok and they're trying to give you advice. It's like, yeah, you're you're not speaking a language I understand. Mm. You know, trading huge chunks of land is not part of my life and never will be. So I don't, I'm not going to try and fill my brain with the information necessary to kind of i do vague my vague senses that they had to maybe stretch themselves which as matthew said is setting them setting it's basically is creating the financial jeopardy so that when mm. uh that down the line there's no wriggle room Right like, didn't he have to kind of leverage leverage some leverage some property or something to kind of make the sale make sorry make the purchase yeah um
1: alice at one point say like you know, interest rates alone, 1.7 million isn't very much to, to borrow. And I was like, hang on, just check the clock here, All right? December 2016. All right, get ready for the shit to hit the fan, Alice. Because Brian, cause, didn't he say like, you're acting like Armageddon's coming? I was like, it is coming, Brian. <laughs>
3: yeah. Although I would like to hear Alice what Alice would make of uh, Liz Truss's um, effect on the, on the uh, inflation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, and that's one thing it didn't occur to me. This is a pre-alcoholic... Or at least recognized alcoholic problem, Alice, isn't it?
3: Do, do we assume this is? But this is this is around the time that she was working hard, playing hard, and sort of like there was a few, you know, there was there were some mentions of her kind of. Is this when they started to drop little hints that she was sort of like you know out partying with their colleagues till the, mm-hmm. the wee hours?
1: There was that time that she was in the in the farm office on a Friday, and she was like, "Okay," and you just heard like a keyboard like. And she went, okay that's it email sent gin and tonic for me I think I've done very well <laughs> and it was like she was reward drinking wasn't she I mm. did listen out in this omnibus for those hints
4: of of any of that and there weren't any actually in this omnibus I don't think were there
1: no if anything it was uh, debbie kept getting offered more drink mm. didn't he Brian said you finished the bottle and then he poured her a whiskey and she told him like you know you just sit here with it and
4: you need time to think yeah yeah
1: the other thing that uh, Occurred to me in this episode is that Kirsty, at the mm. end of this panto run, told Tom she was pregnant with Ren, because that was when they did the when they did this pantomime. That was when I don't know if she found out over Christmas and then she told him uh. at the end of the run because it wasn't. She had a quite early uh, miscarriage, didn't she?
4: Yes, well remembered, Matthew. I was focusing purely on these minutes in my ears and not thinking at all about what had come prior
1: or post right,
3: i'm with you gary Matty <laughs> is like the minority report with a kind of full readout of the sort of the, the ley lines of the different plots stretching back and forth this
1: prior. is post all of the helen and rob crap so you know that helen's got out and tom and kirsty have had their one night stand passion on the night mm. helen is released how else to sh- to celebrate Helen getting released <laughs> and shagging her best mate who's also like your ex-fiancé who you jilted at the altar. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure like before they were going on stage or after they'd come off stage when they were all celebrating, wasn't it like that? they went to drink and she wouldn't drink and she said like, I'm pregnant. I think it was something like that, wasn't it?
3: But Matthew, Dustin Hoffman's going to get another Oscar <laughs> playing you in your life story. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because oh, I, was, I was there thinking, he doesn't know, does he? Yeah, we don't either. Yeah. I don't know if she uh, I think she found out within like a I'd have to go and listen to the other omnibuses I think she found out within like a week of this
4: yeah you do that love do your fair share
1: you bastard
4: I know I'm now imagining you (laughs) listening to the next one are we starting again from 2016
1: (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should yeah it's gonna be like Russian
3: dolls and in that in that second podcast they'll then do omnibus look (laughs) backs
1: one of um one of Peter's favorite characters Toby was everywhere in this omnibus, oh. wasn't it?
3: Yeah. yeah. No. No, but I'm um, sorry, I'm not trying to hop about, but it's kind of part of a broader thought process. So I I was thinking about Kerry, as as is so often the case when I'm listening to The Archers. Oh. I'm, I've got like a proxy version of Kerry and Matthew kind of playing in my head and I'm kind of imagining their reactions. But, but obviously, when it's Adam, you immediately think, what's Kerry making of this? And then but don't you think that modern-day uh, Adam and modern-day Toby are so much more likable than this vintage? The early Toby and this version of Adam are just almost unlistenable, mm. whereas the kind of up-to-date Toby's really quite pleasant to have, you know, coming through your radio.
1: Well, Toby hasn't had to go to war with Pip yet at this stage, has he? No. Mm.
3: Yeah. At this stage, he's just being a bit of a shit brother. You hear Rex's frustration with him. Um, for people, because obviously for anyone who hasn't done the listen-along to the omnibus, because Rex is this, is, this is the time in the plot when Rex is just going bananas. He's been trying to run this stupid goose business. Was it goose? Yeah. Was it goose or stupid goose business with his brother? Toby has been, been doing nothing productive except for having sex with Kate in the swimming pool.
1: He is trying to make gin.
3: And he works behind the bar at the pool. Yeah, but in order to go and make the gin and be behind the, the bar and the bull, he's basically done a runner from the goose business, mm. hasn't he?
4: As a big fan of Rex, I was very annoyed with Toby.
3: Exactly, but this is the point. So, to- so Matthew was saying that I was kind of like, you know, probably effervescing with excitement <laughs> to hear Toby yet again, but actually the opposite, because it reminded me that back then I thought he was a bit of a dick. It's only, as Matthew said, that once he's um, on team us not Pip that we kind of like start to like him
4: and it was Toby who actually planted the seed about going to view what the calendar girls reunion thing was up to wasn't it
1: he basically said you know a bunch of women get together
4: they always take their clothes off yeah <laughs> I liked it where someone said to but Jennifer's there as if that means nothing will happen and then they went but Lillian's there it's like, oh right off we go then well,
3: that was Eddie yeah he, that was that was some sort of um, old school Eddie acting. He was like, "Oh, Lily!" Yeah. <laughs> he was really quite oh, excited. You sounded just yeah. like
4: him. Oh,
3: thank you very much, uh, uh, Kerry. I don't know if you know this, uh, Matthew. This important. Oh God! Oh God! I don't know if you know this, Kerry, but I Christ. have actually won an acting prize. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know why you're reminding us. <laughs> we think of it.
3: I t- look, I'm not going to come. I'm not going to come on the side of shed and not mention my acting prize. That's you know, <laughs> playing all the hits. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: would it be next? Stop the boats.
3: Uh, oh, but well, you know, I live in the right place for that, don't I? You know, I occasionally go for a go for a, a march down the um, <laughs> down the beach, having, having a look for foreigners. How many
4: boats have you stopped this week?
3: Pete. Do you know what? I have yet to see uh, um, a bedraggled. Um, boat full of um, afghans wash up on mm. folkestone beach but you know yeah do you know what? It, it, one of the best things since i moved here is we've now got a labor council mm. so high hopes that our uh, local mp who is he's a tory so obviously he is a wrongan but within the within the broader group of wrongans he's in the subset of not completely evil tories so mm. that is that is something very anyway but i'm very very hopeful we're getting a labor mp soon Cool.
4: Everywhere well, will be yeah. Labour MPs soon, won't it?
3: It's absolutely <laughs> madness. I mean, there's the two more. There's gonna be two more by-elections. Peter Bone, who tea bagged a um, subordinate.
4: That's what should happen to all subordinates.
3: Yeah. So what's the female equivalent of tea Kerry? What would you... it?
4: Does it involve tits?
3: tit bagging. Uh, yeah, possibly. a dabbing. I don't know mm. what.
1: It's just a good old-fashioned face sit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can including Scott Benton or Miriam Cates in this.
3: Oh, it's three. Three then, three potential ones. Yeah, three uh, by-elections. So anyway, happy, happy days.
2: This Christmas, why not pay a visit to the most wonderful village in all of Borsetshire? Drink in a friendly pub without fear of having the shit kicked out of you by a slaughterhouse owner or being press-ganged into some god-awful choir by the landlady meet the local constabulary helping the public while not dressed as badgers stop off for refreshments in our finest tea room lots of traditional baked goods absolutely no fusion fuckwittery courtesy of a diluted sausage nonce and before you leave we insist you spend some time in the village shop where we guarantee you won't be upsold a tracker mortgage when you only came in for a pack of rennie. Have your Christmas meal for your beloved family set on fire in the adjacent post box, or even hit by a brick thrown by one of the local horsey set. While you're there, why not visit the flat above the shop? Be careful! Those stairs don't look safe! Don't be silly! These stairs comply fully to the Building Regulations Treacherous Steps Act of 1981. So, come one, come all! We'll be waiting for you in the wonderful village of Darrington.
1: Oh, no. that's madness.
3: Yeah. Are You're you saying that just to try and be a kind of like a um, hey, but what about the other? I mean, how okay? How, I don't have anything to say. Just <laughs> justify that question, Matthew.
1: I was trying to remember what her why she was so what was it Ruth said? Why do you despise him? And we all know why his grandmother,
3: yeah. The well, Matthew, let's put it this way if one of the children of that pop geo you had a threesome with turned up in your class <laughs> at school. Would would your uh, feelings towards the child's parents and aunt and mother have anything to do with how you treated them in the classroom? Because that's the question, isn't it? Why is Jill letting something from her past infect her present so easily?
1: And Jill won as well, didn't she? Yes, mad.
4: Not morally, though. Just sort of practically. She didn't win. Because, I mean, the whole episode began with David and Ruth bickering about decorating the tree. And you could tell Ruth was, like, on eggshells because of Jill. And then in March is Jill interfering in a really passive aggressive way about um, tinsel of all things. Are you going to use the tinsel? And Ruth's like, I wasn't planning to. I always think it's the finishing touch. She's like, oh, just these were the first opening lines and you were already, it was very well written and played because already she was like grating
3: Jill was the least pleasant surprise. It was, it was just. So she's such an awful I character. I sort of
4: chose it on purpose because she was in it, really. And then she did Jill's beef, didn't she? <laughs> and Jill's beef. Jill's just is beef, basically. She's beef personified. But um, when she later said, um, "I told Ruth what time dinner would be ready. Should we ring her? Why doesn't David go? F-ing shut up about it." Why are you such a horrible person? Like, David was weak in this whole omnibus about Jill, mm. I
1: thought. But that was the dynamic for years and years and years, mm. wasn't it? It only really yeah. came to a head with the Ben situation. True. When, in yeah. the end, Jill moved out because both David and Ruth let their feelings be known. Oh, that was good. What's that thing where she comes in from the church and said, Alan's sermon was all about forgiveness. And how some people can open their hearts.
4: Yeah, David said something like, "Well, it sounds fairly reasonable to me." Having a slight dig, of course, that went totally over Jill's head. She practically called Toby a tramp, didn't she? Because <laughs> Ruth said, oh, "I'd be happy if Pip brought a tramp home for Christmas dinner." And Jill said, sort of "Well, he, well, he practically is. He hasn't really got a proper job, and he's homeless."
3: <laughs> I remember Kerry years ago. You pointing out very angrily that you know that that lizzie and jill both share the same sin which is they kind of they've married into this privilege Mm. but then they're the worst kind of like exploiters of it or sort of you know the worst at displaying it it's like just a second this it's you know it's your family farm you brought up your kids here obviously you have a huge investment in it but don't don't act like you know that you're better just because you happen to live here. Mm. It's absolutely, you know, like because Toby doesn't have a full time
2: abode.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's surprising how much sway Jill has in this episode at Brookfield, as opposed to how much sway she has now. Because she mm. she had the final word, didn't she? She said that, that Pip has, she chose her bed, and now she has to lie in it. Like so, essentially, she cannot come to the house for Christmas dinner if she if she dares to bring her boyfriend. Whereas I think if she tried to pull that trick now. She'd find herself back down at the bull with Kenton and Jolene.
3: Well, I might be misremembering, but I thought that Ruth read Jill the Riot Act, and that's why. Um, and that kind of acted as a, a an excuse for Pip to come over with Toby on Christmas Day.
4: Maybe, uh, yeah.
3: I vaguely—that's what I vaguely remember. That J- J- uh, that Ruth finally snaps. She kind of snapped a little bit, didn't yeah. she? In this in the omnibus where she was like, you know, I actually, I just want to have my daughter here. You know yeah, the day, because I don't really care about the rest Ruth, of
4: Ruth, poor poor Ruth, she made such a valid point Did she? She's like she hasn't really got anyone else family wise either has she around her of mm. her own side of the family, and she did say to Jill, it's not Pip's choice that she's not coming here, it's basically you're not making her feel
1: welcome. When Ruth bumped into Pip at the farm shop and she went, oh, yeah, you always have to get stuff in for Christmas, all the ingredients, cream, ice cream, butter, nuts, sprouts. I was like, is Tom making dinner this year?
4: (laughs) Yeah, what are you doing here? They said.
1: Well, we got kind of sidetracked there from the the whole sneaking down to look at the calendar girls by the three gents. I have to say, I find Neil back in these episodes a lot more huffy, puffy, comedic character than he is now. (laughs) He's a much more serious, respected character. In the archers
2: mm. he seemed a
1: little bit more you know comic relief almost getting shunted out the door for daring to eat his cheese sandwich in front of the fridge
3: oh, I was good to hear susan it was. That, that was that was my i was very mm. after slogging through all of the mm. nonsense with kate and with because this was the worst version of kate right when we had you know um this was a bad you know like kate comes and comes and goes doesn't she sometimes she's one of the best characters when she's with Jacob or being a kind of like nut job um but this is you know but anyway so and then finally susan was there i was like yes the promised land you know comedy chat between susan and um uh neil susan kicking neil out was fantastic as you said and then neil kind of like the 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 easiest the easiest arm twisting ever getting eddie to stay in the pub till closing time (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah eddie saying i'm watching my weight just a half he's just sat there waiting for someone to buy him one isn't he
3: well i re- i i mean i that haven't had a drink now in three and a half years and i cannot imagine anything more beautiful than being sent to the pub at like five in the afternoon <laughs> and just being told do not leave do not you know yeah, don't come back till
4: after last order
3: don't come back until you're absolutely <laughs> <it."> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, And they've also got this um, The Great Escape Night on the 27th of December in the Bull as well, where you're just trying to get away from your family. Did you hear this? Oh, Kenton had organised a thing called The Great Escape, and it's the 27th of December, and it was basically an invitation to get away from your family (laughs) and come down the – there was nothing else other than just come down the pub and get wankered instead of chatting to your other half and (sighs) the in-laws.
4: Where everyone would love to be. I bet it's mainly bloody men, though.
1: But this is, you know,
3: that, uh, wouldn't it be the whole of? Uh, so it's the whole of Ambridge except for Jill in one house, mm-hmm, Pat in another house, Helen in another house. No. <laughs> Who's the worst one from each family? <laughs> Adam, yeah.
0: On the twenty eighth of December in this year of our cheese, two thousand sixteen, the Bull in Ambridge presents the Great Escape Matriarchy Edition. Come join Emma and Clary as they leave all of the Grundy men at Grange Farm banging on about their million dollar idea to turn ferret shit into renewable energy by this time next Christmas. There'll be Debbie and Jennifer wisely getting out of Adam and Brian's way as they kick each other repeatedly in the knackers over herbalays and pointless purchasing of land. Perhaps you'll even spy Ruth having had enough of David sobbing while providing his back as a footstool for Jill. And look here, It's Helen, Peggy, and Pat here to join the... Hang on. Sorry, ladies. You're not on the list. The Great Escape, matriarchy edition. Customers must agree in advance to purchase at least three pints of Shires, half their own body weight in pickled onions, and have a mandatory walk-on part in Linda's production of Mother Goose. No Helens, Pats, or Peggy's allowed. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim?
2: Home, Neil Neil was quite
1: freaked out that he had the Horobins coming over for Christmas Day, didn't? Yeah, he? he was.
3: I bet you they are um, the most fun. I bet you a Horobin Christmas is the best of all the Christmases.
1: We'd have had a, like a twelve-year-old a Chelsea running around or something, wouldn't we? Yeah,
4: yeah. Oh, that was funny that. when they were talking about the kids. Like George was getting a second-hand bicycle, and I think at one point in this episode they were talking about Roy being good at art. <laughs> Which made me really laugh because wrongly I was just thinking that's it's basically saying he's not very clever, isn't
3: it? It's quite difficult to draw a symmetrical swastika freehand, Kerry. Um, <laughs> <Gary. laughs> so, you know, it's not it's not as easy as you think.
1: That was the only thing he was good at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: they
1: conveniently forgot when they talked about Jethro, Clara's dad, that David Archer actually killed him in the eighties, didn't he? Like. Locked down a tree and the tree fell directly on (laughs) it.
4: I wish you'd shot few more down. And speaking of um, Christmas gifts for the kids, what like? Because Emma was talking about the second hand bike for George, and then Kira said she wanted a pink iPad. Obviously, Emma was saying to Helen, Oh, we've had a vet's bill, so we can't go to the Panto, but we've got this second hand bike for George. and Oh, Kira, you've got to remember that Santa can't afford presents for everybody. She's like, yes, I know, mum. Helen, of course, did not offer to help at all with any of that. No, no. Oh.
3: Yeah, you'd have a quiet word, wouldn't you? You'd say, look, yeah. uh, it's not it's
1: not alone.
4: Here's the tickets for the panto. Here's,
1: exactly, yeah.
4: You've worked really hard, but no, nothing.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of deja vu, really, wasn't it? Because. Like, last week in The Archers, we had David dressing out over Brookfield Christmas and Emma worrying about money. And I feel like mm. we go back seven years and we're in exactly the same spot.
3: Mm.
1: It's just, you know, Jen is, Jen is not there serving canapes and champagne.
3: Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, when Emma moves to the um, EV charging station, <laughs> and, um, she will finally, you know, because... Mm what would be great is if she and Fallon go there as peers. Like Emma becomes, maybe Emma's the driving force. Because Fallon's wonderful, right, as a character, but she she lacks that kind of um, grit, right, mm-hmm. you know, so you can't really imagine her forcing it through. Whereas I can imagine Emma will finally crack and just go right. Because um, um, that's, that's the thing, the okay, so here's my prediction. prediction. Emma, Emma has, has. Emma, Emma will, will turn, turn this spreadsheet she's got of the, of the money from, money from, from Tony, Tony. This will trigger her producing her business plan. When she sees the numbers from one person down on paper, hmm. she'll then turn it into a business plan, get the figures worked out, get a loan from the bank, suggest it to uh, Fallon. They'll go in and do it as a pair, with kind of like uh, Fallon front of shop, Emma back of shop, and then this will be Emma's final kind of like redemption and rise to triumph. Yes.
4: Here is hoping.
3: Yeah. This is what I need. I really. Mm. I think I mean in being being a hundred percent serious, like one of the thing reasons I've taken a bit of a holiday from the arches, I think I just did get kind of slightly crushed by the middle classness of it. Now there's no one more middle class than me, you know. I am <laughs> Mister Sourdough Bread, fussing over my fucking coffee machine every morning. But uh, but even then, it's just it's, it's too much. We need to have some of the the have nots succeed.
4: I hope you're right, Peter.
3: Matthew's being very quiet, Kerry.
4: He doesn't want
1: any of that.
3: Well, this he's going back to the Cotswolds. Yeah, he doesn't want to go back in you know ignominy when everyone listens to him.
1: It's not quite the Cotswolds, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. Susan's gonna withhold sex from now on because they fell into a fish pond.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was but I mean I, I mean we got there. we very we've been I mean, how can I put this delicately, <laughs> No need. Um, we've been told many times that, you know, she likes it as much as Neil does. She's quite the goer isn't she, Susan? So I don't think it's really... I mean, it doesn't sound like she's the kind of person who will be able to turn the tap off.
4: (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't be a goer with Neil?
3: Yeah. Grab your ankle, Susan. (laughs) Assume the position.
1: Assume. It was quite good of them to suddenly realise they were going to sing ding-dong merrily on high wasn't it
3: it's <laughs> it's is, is that neatly tying together the two things
1: in the house they thought it was dildo merrily on high <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: Matthew, oh,
3: do you think they use uh do you think they use marital aids neil and susan i don't think so
4: what a funny term that is
3: yeah marital aids yeah It's one of those sort of euphemisms from um, kind of 1950s BBC, Mm, isn't it? mm. Um, But I I imagine that Susan and Neil might go in for a bit of role play, but I don't think they would bring um, surrogate penises.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to to think of the brand names of of the devices. So you'd have like the Barrow Uh, burglar.
4: (laughs) Burglar. Something to do with chilli,
1: because they
4: only apparently have sex if they have chilli, don't they?
1: Yeah, and if that's... Neil makes lasagna for Shula, that's it. There's no sex for three months.
2: Oh, yeah. God,
4: yeah. I mean, that all died down, didn't it?
1: No, well, she's back. Mm. Might raise its ugly head again. Um, Kerry, were yeah, you I... Adam's secret Santa at the BL party? With the hip flask. Not the hip flask. Did you not hear the other gift he got?
4: Oh, no, I heard Ian sort of going, What? Oh, I can't do his voice, but um, did you ever find out who sent, you the hip flask and I was thinking
1: well that's Charlie isn't it but someone bought him and I thought I was trying to imagine what picture might Kerry be tweeting out back in 2016 someone brought him Christmas tree scented shower gel (laughs) and I can just see the log picture yeah
4: (laughs) with a few sprouting fur
3: bits that's made me quite sad the amount of plastic shite from Christmas like how just me as a person. How many tons of, uh, uh, you know, novelty shower gel and funny bathroom mm. items have I been given in my life?
4: Wow well, how much Lego have you bought, Cyrus?
3: Oh, Kerry. <laughs> oh dear. Is that made
4: out of sort of recycled stuff nowadays?
3: They tried. They, they, they've they just given up on that, actually, rather depressingly. Oh. They've had a project going for ages to try and make Lego out of recycled plastic and they just gave in. Does it like, not re-
4: work properly? Is it not got that snap?
3: Yes, it's because. Do you want to know the tedious history of Lego? Okay, all right. Sorry, Matthew.
1: I've watched the documentary on Netflix.
3: That's the one, the toys that made us. Yeah,
1: where it keeps going back to that guy who goes the system.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly that's yeah. So this that's the information I'm going to regurgitate. But basically, there was lots of Lego toys. In the UK, Mm. and the 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 Lego, which is similar, is it free play in Danish or something? Anyway,
1: that's one of them sex toys. I think a free play Danish was something that Tom put on the menu (laughs) at the tea room last week.
3: (laughs) But you, you, but you nailed it, Kerry. It's the it's the it's the clutch. It's the grip. Ah, the snappiness. Couldn't get that working exactly. So anyway, but it's very depressing. And yes, I have bought him. You've killed the planet. (laughs) Massive. Yeah, there's at least one, probably a seal, a cormorant, and a. Dolphin all dead because Osiris is Christmas God, present from me.
4: Yeah, all those earthquakes in Iceland and what have mm. you.
3: Is that is think is that climate related?
4: Well, no, it's just the latest thing that's happening. It's just plates shifting, isn't
3: it? There's that one company. So there's one company in Holland that makes the machines that another company in Taiwan then turns to makes uh, uh, um, cutting edge chips with. So there's basically two companies in the world that produce, you know. Uh, something that we all rely on Mm. but then i was thinking to myself like if they knocked us back technologically to like i don't know 2005 i think i'd be fine with it
4: yeah we'd be all right but we do all rely on chips
3: underappreciated
2: chips joke from carrie
3: no but like for instance us now making this podcast we, we we could still do the podcast we just wouldn't be able to do it, like, quite as easily with, you know, like, we'd have to, we'd have to, it would, it would take a bit more effort. But, like, you know, the, um but yeah, I think 2005, 2010, I could, I could, I could be stuck technologically there for quite a long time. Yeah,
4: I mean, I used to record the, char- the charts on a little microphone with a cassette recorder.
3: What was your to... DJ name, Kerry? Special K. Special K, really? Yeah. <laughs> And and, um, have you ever spun the wheels of steel? Have you ever been up there? I have. Do you still have any of the cassettes with with the full set on? Could you you create a Spotify playlist?
1: The Latvian Easter disco, Peter, is all hell breaks loose at that thing.
3: (laughs) Popping off, mate. Well, I was quite pleased. Kerry and I had a chat earlier on, (laughs) and I was quite pleased to hear that Kerry is feeling very Latvian after Mm. her her trip back um to the motherland or the fatherland.
4: Actually, I read something about that and they don't call it either. They call it the homeland.
3: Now oh, that's good. Yeah. Um Kerry Kerry K- special case classic um <laughs> playlist please Kerry.
1: You did send me like a, a hard house classic playlist once, didn't you or some like rave classics. That was good.
4: Oh, what yeah. That was for my uh, street party that I made that playlist for. Yeah, we haven't talked about mislabeled
1: scallops. No, we haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Rightly so. I was
4: wondering whether you've ever experienced mislabeled scallops.
1: Yeah, well, I thought you said there'd been a mix-up between the dates and the scallops. I was like, that's not very difficult, is it? (laughs) Scallops are a very fancy shellfish and dates are what Kerry eats a steady diet of before every podcast. (laughs)
3: I I will say, though, listening to to Ian being, you know, like this is in his uh, head chef days. So I've been listening to Matthew rant about his new iteration as sort of head of food. And it really irritates me when Mm. they can't even... Get things accurate for someone like me to 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 smell bullshit. You know, like it's fair enough if like someone like Matthew, who's an expert and has done the job for years, goes, "Hmm, that's not quite right." They got those few details like you know incorrect. But for for some schmo like me to just go, "That's absolutely obviously bullshit," is really irritating. That's like that's something that they need they need to get rid of. It's just like it's not even research. It's just like have a chat with some just anyone ian's whole career is bullshit yeah
1: it is the best culinary line in the whole omnibus was when um when helen said yeah yeah he said to tom rob's going back down to hampshire to spend uh christmas with his parents and tom went oh god that turkey will be throwing itself in the oven yeah (laughs) having recently hooked back up with rob's dad and what a bruce wasn't it bruce titchener oh fun barrel of laughs he was Mm. Did you hear him when he came back recently, Peter? Did you hear that episode?
3: No, no. I didn't stop when I left the Mm. Cider Shed. I carried on listening for like another month or two, but I think I just had like, there was like a few weeks when my life was just bananas. Genuinely didn't even have time to listen to The Archers. And And then I was just like, do you know what? I you know I don't really need to listen again, but anyway, so it's I think it's been about I think it's been a couple of months, but it, I'm not I'm not just saying this because I'm on the side of shed I want to suck up to the listeners. I genuinely feel enthused again after talking to you guys. I feel kind of like I do need to remind myself about you know some of this stuff. I do need to. I can't just I can't just parachute. I've already changed my mind. I can't just parachute in at the last minute. I really need to listen to the lead up to Emma and Fallon's triumph, and if it doesn't happen, be you know, let the my anger have full reign.
4: So might we have you as a little guest depot more than twice a year?
3: Well, I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. But um I mean, apart from a uh um you know having gone you might go from one email a month to fifty five <laughs> with everyone just saying no, no, a thousand times no.
1: People have missed you. There was a very good comment on the subreddit, which we think you would actually find funny yourself, Peter.
3: Was this in between accusations of Kerry being poisonous? Yeah. Yeah. It was
1: contained in the same message. A
3: bit, so I was about to say, I think Kerry's poisonous, but I mean that as a huge compliment. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, and, you know, it's weird, isn't it? Because, like, Twitter is full of criticisms about the Archers. Most mm. other decent podcasts about the Archers are critical. It's just a bit of a strange world where you're not critical.
1: There was a footnote to all of that, and they said, um, it's a shame Peter isn't there to add some positivity to proceedings. <laughs> Awesome oh, yeah, calmness, wasn't it? To yeah. bring calmness. Oh, I can't remember. It. it was very funny. Yeah. I, me and Matthew
4: right... laughed our bloody heads off at that. It was like yeah. the least calm person.
1: And person in the wild.
3: Yeah. There's a there's right behind me on the wall uh is a certificate I was given <laughs> when I worked at Microsoft. And it's uh it's a it's like an award. We all got awards. My award was uh <laughs> um the something something award for Zen like patience. <laughs> I was given it by my boss. And I, and I said, this is sarcasm, right? Because like, everyone else has got these really nice awards. She went, no, no, no. It's sincere. I'm like, what? and I just thought to myself, you, you, have you really properly you listened to a word me? I've yes. ever said? Yeah. And she, she, she
1: gave it to me story. Your old sincerely. boss isn't on the Ambridge subreddit, is he, Peter? Mike <laughs> was just a
3: no, Australian. She's oh, right. a very, very lovely woman. Uh, what it might have been is she's uh, she's maybe the most diligent and hardworking person I've ever met. And I used to share a desk with her. And I think that mm. I was just, my work ethic was just ferocious when I was sharing a desk with her. I didn't, you know, even barely look up. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm glad that one other person has been, you know, completely misread me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we should explain a little bit about why we've done this episode is because we my travels and Christmas looming we won't be able to do a regular episode so we thought we'd do a flashback and get Peter involved and just like Merry Christmas to everyone that listens to the podcast and thanks to everyone that supports us on Patreon that's a massive help
4: yeah Merry Christmas to everyone who helps the Cider Shed exist uh very very grateful
3: and I I now have the rare. I, mean, I guess i'm unique in being the only person to ever be on the cider shed start it even with you guys mm-hmm. and then also be a big fan i love listening to it every week i really enjoy it i normally i miss when i'm sort of making food for the family on a sunday mm. um but uh, and do you know something weird that happened the other day was i was listening to it and i was like is that me and it was matthew so for the first time <laughs> ever i did what everyone else does it got me and matthew confused <laughs> So I'm a, I am, am i am a proper listener.
1: <laughs> I, but there was a, a couple of weeks ago. I went really husky at the fight in the final ten minutes.
3: That was it. You sounded particularly sexy in deep voice, <laughs> and deep yeah, voiced. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. what it
1: was. I knew. Yeah. I thought I was sounding like Justin at the time, and I just couldn't clear it. But um... Actually,
3: that would make you, you sound like me if you sounded like a patrician <laughs> posh blowhard.
1: That, that's my Merry Christmas to everyone, Kerry. I'm sure you want to say something. Well, yeah, I'm just going to go and put on a buttercup dress and
4: have an amuse-bouche or two.
1: An amuse me, bob as Neil called it. Are you going to
3: take a full-speed run-up at your local pub tomorrow, Kerry?
4: No, I'm not, Peter. No, it's, oh. it's lots of family stuff that I'm doing, and oh, I'm very much just... looking forward to that. I've done some mm. pubby stuff past week with work. Mm. And that was very nice too.
3: That's just wish fulfilment. I know that you have your, I know you've got your friend Carrie who sometimes goes to the pub. Yes, do you
4: know what I'm doing? On Friday, I. Uh, she makes the best mulled wine. I'm going to her house Friday. I have the day off work, the 22nd, and that's where I'll be.
1: I'll be out in Bristol on the tiles on Thursday night with a whole bunch of mates who are getting up, getting back together. I kind of tentatively already said to my mum, I think I'll stay out that night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's probably best.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, Merry Christmas, you two. Yeah,
3: you too. you as well. Have a fantastic time. And um, in case I forget to say later, everyone else, have a lovely, lovely Christmas.
4: Bye. Bye. See ya. Ho, ho, ho. You didn't do your Brian Blessed. Oh, yeah, Peter. Yeah.
1: Brian Blessed time. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do a Weaver's Alive on demand, Peter?
2: A- Weaver's Alive!
1: It's that last bit, isn't it? The wavering bit at the end. Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which he isn't, unfortunately. Weaver's dead.
3: Weaver's very dead.